Welcome back to Autopsy of a Horror Movie. My name is Brucker, and today I will be doing a very fun, rapid reaction to the brand new fifth installment in the Scream franchise. It is Scream from 2022, and to discuss it, I am joined by good friend of the show, Dustin. Hello, Dustin. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Brucker. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. I'm excited to have you here to talk about this new movie. Um, but before we get going... Um, your show kind of is uh, similar to the f several horror franchises is kind of having a bit of a reboot or, <laughs> or uh, uh, a little bit of a refresher of itself. So would you mind telling the folks about your show and everything that's going on? Yeah, it's totally, it's totally a requel, I guess. Um, but same characters, same characters, legacy character brought in. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so um, actually, I'm not just doing a uh, any just reading books thing or, you know, I'm doing reading books and watching TV shows. And then most of the stuff that I'm going to be reading is going to be focused around um, upcoming uh, releases, probably in TV mostly, sometimes movies. But uh, and I'm doing a few different types of episodes and I, you know, hope everybody listens and here's little experimental episodes I'll be doing coming up pretty soon, like um One's going to be my favorite episode, which I'll have somebody. And what I was going to ask you to do as well, um, if you wanted to come on at some point and, uh, you know, have me watch a favorite episode of yours from some TV show that I probably don't watch and see if that entices me to watch more. That sounds like such a fun idea. And that's absolutely something I would love to come on and do. I think that would be so much fun. <laughs> be up for the challenge. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, thank you, Justin, for telling us about your show, and welcome back to the show. This is, I don't know, maybe your fifth, fifth or, yeah, I think yes, your fifth Yes, I'm the five-timer. I'm yes. a five-timer now. Yes, you're the I first. The, I, I'm waiting for the jacket. <laughs> yes, you're the first five-timer, and if people are checking out this episode because we're talking about Scream, and you're a fan of Scream, you've never listened to my show before, go back and in my catalog, and I think it's episode seven in which Dustin and I and another friend of the show, Adam from The Great American Scream, discuss each opening sequence for the first four Scream movies, and we discuss them and rank them. That was a very fun episode, so uh, be sure to go check those out. Yeah, it really was. So we're going to have a quick little spoiler-free discussion on the new Scream movie. Um, this will be a few minutes, five to ten minutes maybe, and then after that I will give a warning, and then we'll be moving on into the heavy spoiler-filled discussion so here's your spoiler free little review of scream 5 from dustin and i and i went and saw this on thursday night i had so much fun with it i really 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 loved it um there was so much about it that i was geeking out about i had a lot of fun dustin where are you at with this movie well i went on saturday night and it really wasn't as crowded as a, but i mean i went at like 6 40 so it wasn't too crowded at that point it was just kind of that in between time when people would show up and, uh, yeah, um, like you, I felt comfortable where I was at and, and I was like watching it and, and I was noticing like either the pattern of how a character was introduced or offed, or I was, <laughs> you know, noticing things like that and just, and you know, how it just called out to the original and whatnot. And, you know, I thought it was fun. I think I had a fun time watching it. So I did enjoy it. I probably didn't enjoy it as much as, uh, uh most people are saying they enjoyed it. But, you know, that's just me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everybody's going to have an opinion on it. I mean, I've seen that. I've seen mostly positive reviews. I don't think I've really seen too many negative reviews of this. I thought it was a really nice 
love letter to the franchise. I felt like it was trying. It wasn't. I, I didn't really feel like it was trying to be better than anything. It was just trying to be more of in vain of what the original original movie was. That's kind mm-hmm. of what I was getting at. Yeah, no, I didn't think that. I think that, um, I mean, it was trying, yeah, it was trying to be a love letter to the original because it was, you know, they even admitted in the in the um, articles online and whatnot that they were, you know, super fans of it and they wanted to just, you know, pay homage to the the story and, you know, and of course to Wes Craven. I read all of that before I even saw the movie. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it was really fun to see how, how they did that, you know, and, and what kind of characters they would introduce and, you know, what kind of situations they would put them in and, you know, and what if it, you know, how it's going to look. And if it's, you know, I kept hearing how it was an homage to the original. So it's like, are they, it's obviously a sequel. I knew that. So it can't be a remake. And, you know, I, I was really, really curious to it. And I liked it a lot for what they, you know, put out. And all the mm-hmm. all the nuggets we got from it, and I think that was a uh, nice touches, you know, nice throwback, you know, to the possible reboot of a fan- franchise, basically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because I was getting kind of like a lot of vibes from obviously the original, but uh, Scream Four as well, because Scream Four was kind of like how do you do how horror movies do reboots. But this wasn't a reboot either. It was kind of, it was definitely having more of a dialogue of the this trend right now that we're going through with horror franchises of having requels, where they are kind of like rebooting the franchise, but it's also a sequel at the same time to the original movie, and while keeping the same name and wiping the canon. But this is a requel without being a requel, <laughs> uh, like nothing nothing canonical change like, like they didn't wipe the slate or anything no. it's just more of they're kind of talking about the just the that's what a lot of like the dialogue is with with the characters about how horror movies are now changing like this and there's all they obviously get into um elevated horror movies and things like that and the differences between that and uh bare bones slashers that was actually one of my favorite parts for sure yeah yeah i really liked that uh, I, I liked i i liked the characters in this i it I kind of had to like marinate on it a little bit. I liked a lot of the active characters we got. There were some characters that I felt like were underutilized. That was kind of one of my yeah. big gripes and, about yeah, this there were movie. some characters that I don't think we got to know enough. I think there could have been a little bit yeah. more time spent on them or maybe they were presented in a different way, but I, I that I liked them kind of, but I, you know, I might not have cared if they got killed off. Right. Yeah, I will say I loved the the, the Randy stand-in for for this, uh, you know, cuz each screen movie has like a new horror movie buff and somebody that knows all is very knowledgeable about the genre and knows all the rules and everything. The geek of the group kind of thing. Most of the time. Yeah. Yes. And the, the Randy stand in for this um, was a really great evolution of that character type. I thought, and I think one of, one of like the big takeaways from this, um, it was, it was, it was very good. I love that character. The character's name was a uh, Mindy. And uh, she was played by uh, mm-hmm. Jasmine Savoy Brown, and she was just f- great in this movie. She she was the winner of the movie for me. <laughs> yeah, and I, I was looking at, I was like, oh, okay, she was in, she's in Yellow Jackets, which is why it'd be a big appeal for a lot of um, people to see because you know everybody's talking about Yellow Jackets right now, so that's been one of those 
one of those draws <laughs> for them to come see this movie. Yeah. Um, actually, I didn't know her from, from anything prior. I just, you know, so I didn't really have any sort of history with her. But, yeah, she she was really good. I, I really didn't have any history with any of the cast. I, yeah, not me either. I know who Jack Quaid is, but I've never seen anything else he's been in. Okay, yeah, I did. I did like his character a lot, uh, Richie. I w- we'll get into that in this in the spoiler discussion. But I actually re- was really liked Richie in this. So I really loved the the legacy characters, obviously from the commercials. Dewey, Gale, and Sydney are in this, and I I really liked seeing where those characters were at this current stage in their lives. Um, I I really liked that. I thought it. I thought a lot of it made sense to their characters, and I felt like that they didn't, uh, they, they changed and evolved in expected ways. I didn't feel like anything was out of character from from them. So I felt like that that those legacy of characters were handled um, very respectfully. Yeah, and it made sense for Gale and Dewey not to be together. They just they tried before it didn't work out, and they dragged back together, and then and then I, you know, like, all right, we're done. We can't, you know, too much trauma between the two of them. You know, mm-hmm. they're both too, you know, she went ahead and made something good out of it, made herself a you know, good career is where we find her. And then he's, you know, when we first find him, he's just, you know, living alone. I think it's like kind of a good meta joke because they are divorced in real life. So yeah, they're also going to, so that was something else that I loved. I loved uh, this, you know, this movie stays true to like the meta commentary and that there's so many meta jokes in this 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 is i think the most meta of the the screen <laughs> movies which is incredible to say um yeah. but it's it's not annoying at least i wasn't annoyed by it i actually found it kind of charming and honestly really funny at points and like i even uh i, I did chuckle in the movie when i saw that uh, the relationship status of dewey and gail that they are divorced because they are divorced in real life so i thought that was like a very funny kind of joke and way to approach where they are in the movie. I, th- I thought that was funny and clever. The whole movie, as it turns out, once we get to the end, it's kind of an all big meta thing in, in its own way. And you know what I mean? Like all in all, just if you think about it and um, everything in it is so like, so tributive. <laughs> I want to mm-hmm. say tributive. Is that a good, I don't want to say a good word, but to like the original and to like even different horror movies. So um, mm-hmm. there's certain little things, things you don't even think about until you're like, you see it written down. Oh my God. You know, that's true. That, that was a kind of a, a nod to somebody, you know, or something like that. I think that's, I love those kind of things. I love the little, the little things that they, they add in. I think I'll two in character names alone. So, um, at least, not just for the Scream franchise, but for other things. So, mm-hmm. I think, you know, I, I love that how they do that, and 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 how you know it's kind of it's kind of carried on tradition from the you know Kevin Williamson days to oh, make yeah. those little jokes and make those inside things and kind of throw a little sass in there, you know. Yeah, no, it was it was I mean, it, it still had the good like kind of like witty writing that Kevin Williamson had. Um, but it it de- definitely had its own voice because this was made by different filmmakers and different writers from the other movies, and I really loved how they brought their own voice voice to this. I mean, because it still felt like a screen movie, but it felt um, I don't know. It felt like it was just in the hands of people that really cared about it. Um, this was made by a group called Radio Silence. They're they're a small collective of filmmakers in Hollywood. They actually started out as YouTubers, and they've Mark got in their way up to this. These this was made by the same people that did Ready or Not, and um, so I I, I kind of love that story for, for them. You know, you know, starting out as like content creators and then getting their way up to something like this. I think that's oh yeah, um, it's definitely respectable mm-hmm. for sure. 
Yes, and there were some pretty good nods to to the content uh, creators of, of the world that uh, that they sprinkled in in this, and I definitely will get into that in the spoiler part. That I was just like, oh my goodness, I can't believe they got this this joke in the movie. Um, it was it was very good. Um, now this is a horror movie. Did you find this to be scary? I wasn't like, and you know me, I'm I'm mm-hmm. a you know pussycat. I can't you know. <laughs> I can't uh, handle a lot of like scares and stuff, but other than some jump scares that I was kind of expecting because of the, you know, and you know, there's some parts of that I want to talk about, but uh, Mm -hmm. you know, because you hear the music rising or something goes bang and you're like, Oh crap. And like, you knew it was kind of coming. But then at the same time, there was a, I think there was a reason why you knew some of it was coming, you know, because it Mm -hmm. it was kind of following, you know, the tribute of, you know, the original. So it's kind of like, you kind of know, but at the same time, do you know, you know, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. I, I was just wondering if I'm just now desensitized to these types of movies that I just don't get scared too often. I mean, there was definitely like, you know, thrilling and exhilarating parts of the movie, and yeah. I could there were some good jump scares. I almost felt like it was better at being creepy than it was at being scary. If that makes sense. Yeah, because it became more of a a question of what mm. was really going on, you know. And you wanted to, you know, in the original Scream, you knew somebody was out to kill somebody and they were, and Sydney was the target. It was just something you knew. You just knew it was, you know, and you're watching this one, you're like, but I don't know why when you watched the original Scream, it wasn't like you were asking why. You were asking who, but not why. And now we're so, we're so into, we know the genre so well, you get to, and you're asking who and why would they be doing it? Does that make sense? No, no, that that's, that's that makes complete sense, and that's actually very true. Something I never thought about because that it's that's very accurate, and that was something that I did feel like was actually fun and was good about this was the who done it aspect of it. Yeah, because um, I, I definitely think the clues are there. We'll get to it when we get to it, but um, I I, I did like the who done it aspect of this, and this was the most active that the characters have been in trying to you know, have a discussion about that and solve it, which I, I really appreciated. Yeah. It became like a, a room full of Randy's at one point, you know, everybody <laughs> had an opinion about what was actually going on, which is just awesome. I mean, it, I just love it that they did that. Cause I mean, the filmmakers know that Randy is a fan favorite and I love that they kind of took a moment to have like a 10 minute scene to just let everybody put on the Randy hat for a second. That was great. Yeah. I agree. I think that was really nice. It was a nice touch. And, and, he was gone too soon from the franchise. Way too soon. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder what it, what it would have been like if he could have been a legacy character for this. That would have been awesome. Oh, man. Oh, I, I kind of want that to be like a thing where Randy comes back and he's alive. <laughs> he's they they just wouldn't be able to explain time. it. <laughs> yeah. um, he was not dead. Uh, I think one of the last things I wanted to get to before we get into spoiler talk was the kills. I felt like that this was the most explicitly that we get to like actually see kills in this yeah it was excessive too a little bit more excessive than before this one Mm. was like pure like i don't know just destruction on some people yeah it doesn't really leave like like too much room for like oh they might come back or whatever you know uh i felt like for people that did get attacked or anything uh it kind of was just like yep this person is done they are not coming back. Nope. Yeah, and I was surprised with that. Like in in that same breath, though, I felt like that this was the least 
smart or like the least intelligent Ghostface that we've had. Like I felt like, like, like we just talked about how brutal Ghostface was, but Ghostface was also not a great murderer. Like I don't like I don't know if that makes sense. Like they weren't they. This was the least intelligent Ghostface I think that we've seen in the franchise. Yeah, or you think they're intelligent because of the way things are going on, and then you turn out maybe not. <laughs> yeah, like I didn't. You know, like, you thought there was a whole big plan. You know, I want to say, and there is a plan, but it's not what you think it is. You know, you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> that's how I kind of felt. There, there is definitely a plan in place. Like that's, um, I'm not trying to like spoil that or anything, but yeah, there definitely is a plan, of course. But I. And what I don't know, it, it's just Ghostface wasn't super smart in this. I don't think. I don't know, but we'll, we'll get to that in the spoiler review, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. it's, that that, is, that was a hard one to kind of uh, dance around. I know. I was like, um, there's a plan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like all of these have a plan, you know. Um, but uh, it's you know, what is it that they're trying to orchestrate? And this one was unique. Yeah, it, it had its unique quality. Yeah. Well. I would kind of disagree with the unique thing. Ooh, okay. Going to have some discourse. I, like I, I might have to go and wait for that for the spoiler round because I don't want to like give too much away. But I would, you know, I think that it might not have been as unique as it, you know. Just uh, we'll go to that later. <laughs> I can't Sounds speak good. Much without without spoiling. Sounds good. Well, thank you, Dustin. All right. Well, unless there's anything else that you wanted to kind of give as like a general thoughts or opinions about this, I would say. It you know it got thumbs up from me. I definitely recommend go going and checking it out, especially while I was in theaters because I think that this is a fun movie to see in theaters. And mm-hmm. this was the first scream that I got to go see in the movie theater. So this was it was a lot of fun. I definitely recommend people go check it out. Well, with that being said, let's go ahead and move on to the spoiler free talk. After this, after the thunder, it will be riddled with spoilers so if you don't want to be spoiled just pause go see it come back but if you've already seen it please stick around and um let's get to it so so let's go ahead and start off where this movie begins which is the opening scene because you and i have talked about opening scenes for these movies before i love that this subverted our expectations of not having an opening kill. This was great, I thought. Yeah, it was kind of interesting because you didn't know, actually, you didn't know right at the beginning, but, you know, can we give away who was yeah. targeted? I think it's in the opening. It's in the, the trailer, really. Yeah. It's Tara, which is the, um, the the final girl's younger sister kind of thing. Um, yeah, Sam and Tara Carpenter. Yeah. Hence, you know, we all know about the carpenter stuff. But, Which, uh, like, th- that kind of bugs me, not going to lie, because Halloween is still a real movie in this universe, and it's... Yeah. I don't, anyways, go on. I don't know. Maybe it's just a fan thing. I don't know. But um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing I can think of, you know, people who love horror movies and they just want to tie them all together like one big metaverse. Anyway, so yeah, Tara is at home by herself. She's chatting with her friend Amber on her text, you know, uh, back and forth, and... Then she gets a phone call from an unknown number, and it turns out to be, you know, we know who it is <laughs> right from the get-go. Does not disguise his face very much, his face, his voice very well, because, you know, it, it's like, okay, we know it. He's being all nice and cheerful, like, oh, I got a wrong number, you know, and yeah. or I was calling for somebody, I was calling for your mom. She thinks it's her mom's new boyfriend or something. Mm-hmm. And 
he's like, yeah, hey, he doesn't deny it and just starts talking to her about, you know, movies. She like movies. Do you like scary movies? What's your favorite scary movie? And, you know, like, oh, God. Oh, here it comes. And this is where it just kind of jumped right into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why I, I didn't feel as impacted by the opening scene as I wanted to feel. Yeah. I liked it, but it just didn't hit me. It was like, okay. Now she's getting attacked. All right. <laughs> I am completely there with you. Um, and I was thinking about this after the movie on the on the way home because I was thinking about the episode that you and I did prior. It's like, where would I have this in the rankings? And I think it would be kind of low. And it's not because it's bad. It's just it's there's not a whole lot of flair to it, you know? It's expected. It is expected. And it was heavily advertised in the the, the, the marketing for this movie. Um, but like I said, it does subvert your expectations. She actually survives it, which I think it was a cool twist on it. Yeah, um, and well, I, the one thing that I thought that Ghostface did that was different that you know it showed it from the beginning that he was different. He just reared down and broke her leg so she would quit kicking him. That was good. I did because uh, like we said, this is a brutal Ghostface that that we get in this, and I did love that the the, the brutality, like like you said, because this movie the tone is to be. Sp- fearful of Ghostface. Like, this movie does a really good job of having uh, fearful moments tonally and everything, but also having really good comedic dialogue in other parts of the movie, which is very much in vain of the first movie. Um, I think what I liked most about this, and that's a really good point that you brought up that I really like, the, the leg breaking, um, was just kind of like just the, the, the dialogue back and forth between Ghostface and Tara, because they're having this meta conversation about slashers versus you know what we guess what some people call elevator horror horror like the babadook and get out and things More like psychological that psychological and paranormal you know yeah and i found that interesting that uh, that that they went with that because something i love about scream is that you know it's a reflection in uh, of the horror genre at the time and this is kind of like what it is now there's so many you know you know the, like the a24 movies people love Jordan Peele movies people love, things like that, but there haven't been too many like bare-bones slashers that people have been getting super excited about. So I like that this was kind of talking about that and the two different fandoms, you know, because I feel like one side of the coin, the slasher fans think that fans of... Horror fans that only like movies like Get Out or Hereditary, things like that, are pretentious. But then the the other side of that is that people that only like those movies think that slasher fans are like stupid or that they only like blood and guts and not so much substance. So I kind of liked how this was kind of trying to talk, just have a conversation about that. So yeah, which I, I found can totally really see that for sure. And you know when they he, when she was like, I like the Babadook, mm-hmm. and. And, and then I'm like, she's walking around, and I'm half expecting him just to be in the hallway watching her from behind, because that's something the Babadook would do. That would have you know been what cool. I mean? Like, that would have been like, oh, shit. And then she moves, and he's gone. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh, crap, he's in that house. That would have been, I don't know, but they didn't do that. And that made me, I'm like, oh, you could build the tension so much with that. And not have to go, bang, you know, in the middle. It makes it quiet. But I guess that would have upset people because people don't want Ghostface to be anything else, you know? They Because th- I could definitely see people getting upset about that, saying, like, oh, you made Ghostface Babadook. He's not Babadook. You know, I could definitely yeah. see that. Which this movie does kind of get into how f- 
toxic fandoms and how people need to kind of just chill and just you know just remember just remind yourself it's a movie <laughs> no i'm just thinking it'd be a small thing like you know because you could see down to that hallway a little bit and like there was some moonlight in there and if you just saw the ghost face face just standing there as she walked by and then it walked away and then she walked by again and it's not there anymore kind of thing a little you know more yeah. suspension you're like oh oh he's already in the house and i'm like and then he's doing that whole thing with the door unlock lock door unlock mm. lock he goes you know what's the do you think i got in the house or not kind of thing you're like uh-oh oh that's good i like that and you know he's already in the house but she doesn't you mm-hmm. know don't make that wrong decision girl you get out of that damn house <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, so this opening scene, it was good, but you know, I felt like that there needed to just be like a little bit more flair um, to it. It was very limited in its location too. There was not a lot of running around that house. It was like a few, two or three rooms, and that was it. Like, it was yeah, really there quick. wasn't there weren't really too many chase scenes in this movie, and that's something that I was kind of. I, I guess that's like one knock I have against this. There aren't too many. The movie as a whole, I think, is great, but there aren't too many like memorable set pieces you know like in scream 2 we have that awesome set piece with the cinema you know at, at the yeah. opening scene and uh, and also later on in that movie at the uh, the editing bay with dale or i'm sorry uh dewey and gale mm-hmm. i just combined them in the dale um so uh <laughs> that was something i was thinking about there weren't too many memorable set pieces like that in this like things kind of just happen and it's not bad but it's you know it doesn't really latch out at you it doesn't feel like the familiar screen for sure. It's there. It's it looks like it, but there's certain things that happen or don't happen. You're like, oh, but there's a missed opportunity for that. Oh man, they could have done, you know. And is that a fan? Is that a nitpicky fan thing, or is that really the case? Is that you know, could it have been a little, you know, more like the original to bring you in? Because that's what you kind of go in hoping that it is. But then if it isn't, it's kind of a gamble, you know. Yeah, I also wonder how much of that is just the the experience or lack thereof for the filmmakers, because as I said, they kind of started out as YouTubers, and they're, I've watched some of their skits, and they are really good, like, they're funny and scary, because they did, they did, like, horror comedy, um, and they're, like, you know, two to three minute little shorts that they would do, and they were very clever, um, but that was kind of, like, one of my gripes about this, besides the set pieces, was that, um, actually, I'm gonna wait till we get there. <laughs> um, but, uh, so, so, uh, was there anything Overall, else? I did like the opening scene. I yeah. did, like we said, but it just kind of, it's still low on my list. Um, I don't yeah, know where exactly, but yeah, it would still be low on my list for the opening scene. I um, agree. Yeah. Um, so later on, you know, we get to meet some of the other characters, including her sister, Sarah Carpenter. And then we also meet the, the friend group, you know, at the high school with, uh, uh, Wes Hicks and the, the Minks. Twins. The, 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 yeah, the Meeks Martin twins, which are the niece and nephew of Randy Meeks, um, which was yes. kind of cool to tie that family back into this and have them be like the the evolved stand-ins as Randy. I loved how active that they were in this because besides preaching the rules, they were actively, you know, doing it and t- telling people, hey, don't go get beer by yourself. Like, I loved that little... Um, the little tutorial she gave. Yeah, to that, she, the little scolding that she gives to Amber. It was so good. I, I really loved the, the, the Randy stand-ins. Oh, yeah, totally. They were they were really good. She was probably the best out of the two, mm-hmm. um, Mindy. And wasn't it Mindy? Yeah, it was yeah, Mindy. Yeah, it was Mindy. But uh, I did like Chad as well. He, he turned out to be a little bit different character than I thought he was going to be at first. 
Um, I thought he was going to be like the typical, just rude jock, you know, misogynistic type of character. But then he turns out to be kind of just kind of cool and, you know, funny on his own right, but in a different way from his sister. You're absolutely right, especially with a name like Chad. You know, you would kind of expect the, Chad, yeah. th- them to be super stereotypical with him. But I did love at the party with when he's making out with his girlfriend Liv, and she's like, you know, want to go upstairs? He's like, um, don't take this the wrong way, but there's like a ten percent chance you're the killer. <laughs> <laughs> and I love how he didn't let you know his sexual urges to break his own horror movie rules. Like I just love that. That was so good. Yeah, I, I thought that was great. He's like, that's where the the meek nerdiness comes in. You know, it, he had to, have, you know, he's like, ah, this is a real hit or miss for me. I'm sorry. No, we're not yeah. doing this. <laughs> and, and then we also have Wes Hicks, who is the son of Deputy Hicks from Scream 4 that was hitting on Dewey all the time. And I loved how he's kind of like the other side of the, the Meeks twins, whereas He's smart, but he's not, like, horror movie smart. He's, like, smart as in, like, I carry a taser. I, like, you know, I just make sure people aren't following me. Like, he's just kind of, like, being... He's aware. He's, he, he's aware. aware. Yeah, he's kind of being, like, that paranoid person. But, like, it's smart in this movie to, to be like that. So I, I really liked how they kind of... I didn't feel like any characters were super stupid in this. No, they were they were heightened. And that's why it was kind of the challenge of the movie. You know, how are you going to get them anyway? Because they're mm. so smart, you know, they, you know, they know they'd be in a horror movie. They would be like, all right, this is what I would do. There's been much discussion <laughs> <laughs> amongst people since Scream came out of how they would survive this type of situation anyway. So you imagine like that would be the same thing if the events were, you know, in your universe, if they were real and had a movie based on them, mm-hmm. you would totally be like, yeah, this is how this is, I would go down. It's gone down a few times already. So <laughs> there's yeah. a chance it could happen again. And you know, if I get caught up in it, I need to know how to get, survive. So they all they all know they're from Woodsboro, Woodsboro. Mm-hmm. You know, so any any time it could pop back up again. That's the way it kind of feels. Like it's this urban legend that keeps coming back over and over in this town. Exactly, and it makes sense that him being the mother of the sheriff, who was a deputy during, who lived through Scream Four, she had learned from those experiences and passing them down to her son. And I love that the the legacy characters have definitely learned the lessons that they needed to learn. And they have, they're very well uh, adapted to, to be in this movie and like their actions make sense for, you know, everything that they've been through. Um, that was one of the, the complaints I actually had about this was I wish that Sydney was in the movie more. Yeah. They really built her up to be a major star in the movie and she still is cause she's, you know, Sydney, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, it's like they, they didn't utilize them as much as you thought they were going to. No, and I, it's very purposeful because I think that they are trying to really uh, pass the torch on because they even say that phrase in this. But it also, like, I feel like there wouldn't be a movie if Sydney were in it because she is too smart. She is just a couple steps ahead of Ghostface, especially at the, the third act of this movie because she, she, you know, she's shooting through. She says, yeah, five seconds to come out with your hands up or I'm shooting after that. So after that, she says, all right. And she just starts shooting through doors. She doesn't even open them to see who's there to give them the opportunity to attack her. Like, and, and she she picked up on that Amber was a trap. So like, 
it felt like if she were in the movie more, there wouldn't be a movie because she's too smart for Ghostface now. She's already lived through it like a few, quite a few times. <laughs> exactly, figure it out every time. So because of those reasons, I feel like I could be okay with her not being in the movie, but still wish as she was. <laughs> she could always be a consultant. Yeah. And she kind of was, at least she tried to be, but they didn't want her business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's like, no, 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 I've got this card here. I don't want your card, lady. Yeah, and she just goes, doesn't matter, already tracked their carbs, go follow them. And <laughs> she like, was, Whoa. She, it was, she, she was just so smart. I really loved Sydney Prescott in this. And uh, the movie does kind of, the, the third act does kind of have like a, a Dea X Sydney Prescott machina kind of effect to it because she kind of does save the day. Um, but um, I don't know. I, I really liked how they handled Sydney. I think I like how they handled her. Just so they had featured a little bit more of her. Mm-hmm. I don't so, know. I, th- I felt like maybe you know they would have made more of a danger for her because that's what you like to see. You like to see Sydney more in peril and then figuring it out. Mm-hmm. But this one, she was like, "I'm not in peril anymore. We're, I've already figured it out. <laughs> We're, you know, I'm, I'm done with this crap." She, you know, she said, "I'm getting too old for this shit." you know, type of mentality. And um, so, you know, we didn't get to see her as much because she was a little more chill this time around. Plus, she's like, I'm a mom. I ain't dealing with this anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got two kids at home. I'm carrying around a gun all the time. I could kick your ass with a look. You know, no. I I, I love that. I love that development for for her. But I do. I love the development. I just wanted to see more of it. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I just want more Nev Campbell. Wouldn't that be cool if they did like like a Sydney Prescott Files kind of like episode like thing where like she's like just helping other people solve murders now or whatever kind of like the final girl support group in a way but like oh. going town to town that would be amazing <laughs> i would i would watch the shit out of that i think that'd be incredible um <laughs> woodsboro medium or um <laughs> woodsboro warrior yeah uh, woodsboro warrior um so what about the other legacy characters what about a uh, dewey and gail how how did you like them in this you know i kind of felt I kind of felt over Dewey. I was like, what? Really? I I don't know. Something about it didn't, I didn't, Hmm. he was all depressed. And I'm like, again, Dewey, come on. And you quit your job, Dewey. And you're living in a trailer, Dewey. Come on, Dewey. And it's just (laughs) like, I was, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm trying to pay attention to the story. I don't want to be sad for you, Dewey. You know, I wanted Dewey to have his shit together too, or at least, you know, he was still sheriff or something, you know, um, yeah, um, he was so much smarter in this, and he had he learned a lot from the past movies and whatnot. So he was, you know, he knew he was kind of on that the part not the same not the same level as Sydney, but he's still kind of I've been there, done that, and this is how it goes down. And and the thing is, though, he doesn't trust himself. I guess at the same time, he still doesn't really trust himself, and so it kind of you know screws up for him, you know, in the long run. Yeah, no, that's that's good. That's a good point that he definitely doesn't trust himself, and he has some like self forgiveness issues because they kind of hint at that like their the, their failed marriage was kind of on him or something like that. I he just like couldn't take it in New York, but there was something else that he said that like he just he he just felt like he just needed to come back to Woodsboro or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, it kind of went by really quick. It was kind of a meh explanation. Was like, yeah. Okay, I just took away from it. They're not together. <laughs> yeah. Um, They're not together anymore. It didn't work out again. Okay. Yeah, but I did love that he is now smarter because he called it off the bat. You know, he called. He said, hey, how long have you been? How long have you known this guy? Only six months? He's probably the killer. And Richie is one of the killers. Um, <laughs> You're like, well, 
I love yeah, that. Yeah, but the thing is, I figured that out from the very beginning, even before he asked that question about he's going to be the killer. He's going to be the boyfriend again. I didn't think, I, I wasn't suspicious. I didn't think it was Richie until the hospital scene. Um, so the the hospital scene. Oh, when she gets chased in the hospital? Yes, the, because. Um, so, so, so what happens, there's a little refresher. Tara's in a wheelchair being chased by Ghostface, but Ghostface hasn't been revealed yet. The power's out in the hospital. The security guard has his uh, throat slit, and she's hiding in a closet, and then she, like, accidentally hits Richie with a phone. And I was just super suspicious of R- Richie here because Richie wasn't acting funny. Like, he was just, he didn't seem too weirded out that the power was out or anything. I was like, why is he being so nonchalant about this whole scenario? And her hiding in a closet. Yeah, and then I found it awfully convenient that Ghostface only slit his arm and didn't finish the job. Um, I I just found no that... swift move to stab him right away, yeah. Exactly. When Especially we... this Ghostface, who's been really, mm-hmm. really, really violent. Stab, 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 side stab, <laughs> front stab, back stab. All right, I'm going to make sure I stab you all over. Exactly. Vital. I, I just thought it was too convenient. I was like, mm, I don't trust Richie anymore. I still loved his character because I thought he was very funny and he was like a cool, because um, he, he was still like the voice of reason of like, hey, we probably mm-hmm. shouldn't be doing this, you know, k- kind of thing. Um, I, I, I did like all of that, but then it turns out he is one of the killers, which is, you know, I, I guess subverts that, uh, that thing. But um, so anyway, so I guess while we're at the hospital scene, let's, Let's talk about this. So this is a pretty big point in the movie where Dewey gets murdered. Yeah. Um, he how... basically wins against Ghostface, succeeds in knocking Ghostface down and shooting Ghostface. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, you know, we got to make sure we shoot him in the head so they don't come back. And they're already on the elevator. And he's like, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be there in a minute or whatever. And mm-hmm. they close the door on him. And he goes over to Ghostface. And then his phone rings. And he goes... Slightly, I was like, "Don't answer the phone. You ignore it. You shoot the hell out of the thing now." <laughs> like he was hesitating too much. You should have just walked up, like sitting with it on it. Bam, bam. All right, we're done. Yeah, exactly. But and he didn't. He he's thinking about it too much. Yeah, I was I was excited at first because when Dewey first shot Ghostface, I was really excited because like, oh my goodness, I was thinking either he just killed one of them and that's like new and interesting, or they're wearing a bullet bulletproof vest. But Dewey's going to be able to apprehend them and arrest them, and I thought that that they were going to do something where like they reveal one of the ghost faces uh halfway through the movie so now the mystery is who was their partner and i thought that would have been so cool and i also predicted that in my trailer reaction so i was like oh i want to be smart and call that but uh, they they did it they almost did it almost happened it would have been smarter I, I think, think that would have been, been interesting, yeah. To really go, all right, who was the partner? You know, and they killed the ghost face, but they see who it was, but they don't get to find out from them who the partner was, and then you got to figure out who the partner was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, I'm not mad that Stewie died. I'm a little sad, you know, because I like Dewey, and Dewey was fun in this, but I felt like it was kind of rushed. Um, it didn't feel like it. There was no build up to it. Like I didn't feel like danger for Dewey at all. I, as soon as the and elevator happened, closed, I was, like, I was like, he's not coming uh, back. Yeah, I, was, I felt that too, but I was like, I didn't feel like, I don't know. There wasn't a buildup. There wasn't enough buildup. It just kind of happened. Yeah, it like, yeah, it, it did kind of just happen, and I don't know. It felt, I, I did love how they did show, like, you know, he's he's for sure dead this time by, like, yanking the knife up his his belly 
and everything and just really spilling everything out. His eyes are all lifeless, and he's just laying there with his mouth open. You're like, yeah, he's dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> There's so, no, no doubt about it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm glad that they at least didn't leave room for him to come back. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, it felt just a little rushed. From the time that he became an active player in the movie to the time he was murdered, it like maybe I think there, it would have been a bigger payoff if he died at the end of the movie protecting them or something. Uh, I kind of wish we got that. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought that that would probably wouldn't have been better had he been at the party at some point and mm-hmm. gotten shot, you know, or something like that, and then he died from that. That'd have been different. Yeah, that'd have felt like more like a line of duty type of thing. Yeah, line of Dewey. Yeah, I would have. Uh, <laughs> I would have. I would have liked that. Um, <laughs> But before in the line of Dewey. <laughs> so I kind of skipped over a few big things that I wanted to get to. Um, so one of the big things, and we kind of talked about this in the spoiler-free talk, but when Dewey does become an active player in this, and he goes to the Meeks Martin's house, and we get to see that there is a Randy home theater memorial that <laughs> that they have, which is just perfect. It's so it's good. It's a little. Over the top, but it was still funny. I don't know. I guess that would be Randy's family would do something like that, though. Yeah, it, it's a good joke, I think. And I love that they brought his sister back into this. That was introduced in the third Scream. She, yes, she, she, she's Heather Matarazzo. Yes, I, I, I was, I was completely, you know, taken off guard by that. I thought that was great. Um, and this conversation that they have about requels and reboots and pissing off fandoms and things like this, I thought that this was a very interesting part of the movie. Yeah, I kind of knew that this was what the movie was going to be kind of about because everybody says it's a it's a love letter. To, you know, from the critics early on, we're like, oh, it's like a love letter to Wes Craven. It's you know, it's it's kind of a sequel, but not at the same time. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, but it's a sequel, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's basically Scream Five, right? Yeah, which is really funny. They even you know, I keep calling it Scream Five, and some people in the movie insist that the, you know, requel of Stab should be Stab 8, you know, and they keep calling it Stab 8. And I thought that was kind of funny, too. I was like, huh, oh, one of those people. You, you, <laughs> you talking about the, the YouTubers that, that uh, the, 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 what are they called, like the film fail YouTube account that they had on there? Yeah, yeah. They, you know, people are calling it Stab 8, and I thought it was funny because it was just Stab again, you know? Mm-hmm. That, that's where they had, quote, requeled or rebooted the fr- franchise, and they called it Stab again, and he's like, no, it's Stab 8. Because it was a sequel, and you know, um, so it's kind of like one of those things I keep calling Scream Twenty Two, Scream Five. You know. Oh yeah, I'm always going to call it Scream Five. Yeah. <laughs> it's totally Scream Five. I'm sorry. It's not just. I'm not calling it Scream Twenty Twenty Two. It's all right. <laughs> that was also one of my favorite jokes of the movie that you just brought up. The 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 the, the YouTube video that they're watching. Uh, do you know who those two people are? I, I don't know if you're familiar with them. So, so the YouTube video that they were watching where they're like, we're, it's, it's not stab. We're going to call it stab eight. This was stupid. Like the, it was like a very quick little thing of somebody watching a YouTube channel and yeah. they were reviewing stab eight. Like, do you know who those two people are? No, I do not. So that is James A. Janice and Chelsea Rebecca, the, the host of dead meat, which is a very, very, very popular horror YouTube channel. Okay. Um, and like, like they're big deals. And so that was a really awesome cameo that they got to have in this movie. Um, and I was geeking out in the theater when I saw that they were in this <laughs> because like, I'm a huge fan of them. You know, I, you know, I watched, I watched the kill counts and I listened to their podcasts and everything. And 
just seeing that they were in this was so fun because I was like, oh my goodness, this just makes so much sense because it's a love letter also not just to Scream but to the fans and the whole genre because they are huge Scream fans and they um, it was just so cool to see them in this because um, yeah. they promoted this movie a bunch. They, I, I think I sent you the house tour video that they did. Oh, so, okay, that, that was, was them. them. Okay. That was them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was a really cool tour, and I liked how, I'm glad I saw that tour since we, we ended mm-hmm. up going back to that house later on. It's like, oh, this room is there. Oh, they're using this room more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought yeah. that was kind of neat. Exactly. So I was just geeking out. And also, as I said, these filmmakers started out as YouTubers, so I thought that was like a cool thing that they had like other famous YouTubers in this. Um, but uh, it was, I don't know, I was just geeking out over that, but um I, I just wanted to say my piece about that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought that was really cool. I, yeah, that's that's neat. I, I, but I like, yeah, I did like what they even said, you know, that it was a stab eight and not, you know. I love how this movie really treated, like, kept referencing stab. Yes, I'm glad It wasn't about what happened in our town. It was about what happened in the movie stab. Yes, yes, I, I like that. And I think that's still, it's, it's just, I love their unique dialogue and commentary on this is kind of like what the horror genre is now, but yeah, I, I I did love all that. They were basically Scream fans talking about Scream. That's the whole point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I thought that was really, I really liked it. I think it was cool how they were kind of making a character in a way for the fans, you know, to be present throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with like the, the, the minks, the, the, the meek twins and everything. Yeah. It was, um, it was so good. And during this, the, the, the conversation that they're having at at their house about you know who who could it be what are the new rules and everything we even get like a little like uh, last Jedi joke in this like I don't know if you saw that but uh, no, they're talking go ahead it's fine they're talking about the the last stab eight movie that was made like it was directed by that guy that directed Knives Out which is Ryan Johnson who also directed the Last Jedi. And they said, yeah, but that movie sucked because he pissed all over the fans. And, like, you don't change what people like, and which is what he did. And I remember that now. Yeah, yeah I, totally I was like, that. holy shit, there's a last Jedi joke in the new Scream movie. This is my favorite thing ever. Like This, <laughs> <laughs> this means you could officially, you know, do something on uh, Blue Milk Drop with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my Star Wars <laughs> podcast, if you want to check that out, Blue Milk Drop. But, um, I don't know, this was, it was just so funny. I just, this movie was funny. I love how... Dewey was also really funny in this scene too. They're like, you know, you could be the murderer. And he goes, I can't be the murderer because that cut too deep. Cause he like, kind of said all this stuff about how like <laughs> oh, yeah. his failed yeah. marriage and he found himself at the bottle of a bottle or bottom of a bottle and blah, blah, blah. It was, it was funny. <laughs> I forgot about that part. Yeah. That was really great. Um, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, everybody that was introduced who ends up being a legacy character. And then we get to, uh, finally we get to what's her name not Tara um, Sam S- Sam we get to Sam and we start seeing things about her character that are a lot that are just a little crazy literally she's mm-hmm. seeing visions of her dead father from the way he looked after he, he was you know I guess one of the last pictures of him which is all the white bloodied shirt and they did a great great CGI um, de-aging thing on Skeet Ulrich in this they did a really good job um, and having him come back and talk to her through mirrors and reflections and whatnot. And, you know, he, it seems like you don't know if he's trying to coax her into being crazy or if he's, you know, at some point it kind of sounds like 
he is, but then you start thinking, oh, maybe he's just her guide and he's trying to take care of her. You know, and Ooh. is it real? Because at one point you're like, is this real? Wait, is this because he kind of does this thing like look down, look down at that, you know, on the floor there, there's a weapon you can use. And I'm like, and she didn't see that initially. So that must mean he's real and really talking to her. Oh, kind of like maybe it's like a ghost. Ghost from beyond type of thing, but only she's seeing him. Interesting. I didn't even think about that. Oh, that's really cool. Um, I, I really liked the the Billy Loomis hallucinations. I thought that was a kind of a very cool way to incorporate Skeet Ulrich back into this. And, you know, something different. It's something that we actually, well, I don't know, actually, because in Scream 3, Sydney kind of sees kind of hallucinations of her dead mother uh, throughout that movie. And like, yeah, like, coming, walking slowly towards the house uh, and climbing through the window. Yeah. yeah. But I, honestly, I, I like the Billy Loomis stuff in this. I thought that was very cool. It, it did feel like fan service, but I'm okay with that. I, I was a fan of it. Oh, it was totally fan service, but it was kind of introducing kind of a possible supernatural element into the Scream movies. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if he was like a ghost or, you know, or not just psychological, because I think, it, I don't know, like, it felt like he was psychological at first, but then he could see that the knife hilt, and she didn't notice it, but he saw it and said, look down, mm. you know, and she looks down and sees it. I'm like, I'm, huh. I'm going to have to, <laughs> I'm excited to rewatch this movie and like give it like a proper examination. Cause I'm wondering, cause I'm curious now of like, what's like the order of events for that. Like, I wonder like, did she just see it, but didn't like really have like a crazy thought about it until she started to think about Billy. And then, cause like that kind of seems to be like, you know, to like they per- could explain it that way. They could. Yeah. yeah to, but just, I wonder if they will. They'll still kind of keep this supernatural element mm-hmm. involved in the Scream franchise. And how would you feel about that? <laughs> <laughs> if it's supernatural, I, I I don't know. But it feels more like a... To parallel it to Dexter, it feels like Billy is more of like her dark passenger and just like telling her to... Like a voice in her head telling her to do these evil things. And... So, so that's like less supernatural. There's more, you know, psychosis or something like that. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I, I honestly, I kind of wish we got a little bit more of the Billy hallucinations. I, I think that probably would have made more people upset, but I would have liked more of it. Yeah. And the whole thing was, I was kind of almost expecting her to be the killer at the same time too, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe that this, some of these conversations we were seeing in private with Richie were kind of coded or something, you know, where we weren't really picking up on what they were really saying kind of thing. But that, I, that would have been kind of neat to do. Um, and But I did like how it turned out for her. And if there's a possible way for them to do a sequel to this and they move forward with her as the, the Sydney, the new Sydney, basically. Um, what if it's, if they do a supernatural element, what if it's Billy trying to possess her body and kill people as the ghost face? And uh, we don't need that. <laughs> I was just like, we don't need this to be Chucky without a doll. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> That's what they could do, Brucker, Ugh. and say, oh, but the fans want this. No, we don't. No, we don't. No, we don't. <laughs> no, we don't. Don't you dare do that. We do not want that. Um, but yes, okay, so thank you for reminding me of that because that was something I definitely wanted to bring up was the Billy hallucinations. I did love that. I kind of wish, though, that we had a Stu cameo as well. Um, they, they, they did mention that the that like greased up douchebag guy that uh, that dies at outside the parking lot of the bar. I believe he was the nephew of Stu. Yeah, he was Stu's sister's son. Yeah. So, but he didn't really, like 
he really didn't have any sort of part in this besides just getting killed. Yeah, he didn't. He was just kind of like, I'm a menacing guy, and I'm I'm talking to this girl, and she doesn't want me talking to her, and all right, uh-huh. I'll leave this bar, and oh, where we get Oh, my, my car. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was, like, I don't know. I, I wish, I hope that we get some sort of deleted scene of his death because they cut away very fast, and... It, I guess I'll say something positive from it. I did like how they had the that song "Red Right Hand" playing in his car. Yes, that's that was the cool. one thing I noticed. So I was like, "Is that?" And that's playing over the radio. What? <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Okay, well, that's fun." Um, again, fan service, but you know, you gotta have that. He was another one of those there. characters. He got killed, and you didn't care. You're like, mm-hmm. "All right." <laughs> yeah. Uh, da, da, da. we already talked about the hospital scene. I guess we, you want to get into the party of Amber at Amber's house. Yeah, I like how they they end up at this party that's being thrown because of course in Woodsboro you'd throw a party when a serial killer's on the loose right. and, um, <laughs> well so this happens. is a memorial quote memorial party for Wes because Wes was murdered uh, earlier in the movie right yes and I did love the whole meta joke of them toasting saying for Wes I'm not gonna lie I got a little teary eyed during that um, yeah. I, I did really like all of that um, but I you know, so we're at Amber's house, and Amber is one of the killers here. And we find out that this is Stu's house. I will say I was proud of myself because I did pick up that it was Stu's house before the reveal. I don't know if that's something to brag about or not. But oh, I did too. Yeah, okay. yeah. I feel I feel like most people that are fans of this probably like, would have picked that up. Wait, are they in? What? Okay. Yeah, and I was. This this is like one of like the gripes I had about this movie, and this was what I was saying earlier. That's what I'll get back to when we get there. I feel like we're here now. Um, and this is why I sent you those two pictures, by the way. So one of my gripes about this movie is such a nitpicky thing is that I felt like that the camera was just like on top of the actors like the whole time. And like we didn't get any like cool wide shots, not a whole lot of like depth to like the, the physical space that like the characters are in. Mm-hmm. And so like if you look at like the, the pictures I sent you, Dustin, like so like like to compare it to like the, the climax scene from the original scream in the kitchen with Stu, Billy and Sydney, there's it's a very wide shot. We could see most of the the bodies of our actors in there. We could see past the kitchen into like the other room. Like there's a lot of depth to it. Yeah. And I get why everything was so up close during the party scene because they're trying to hide the house. But even after the reveal, everything was so up close and I don't know. I, I would have liked something a little bit more cinematic. And Definitely wider shots. And have you not yeah. noticed that as the years have gone on? If you look back even at movies from like the 50s or the 60s or something, you had more like soundstage looking, but like wide shots. Mm-hmm. And everybody's in the shot and they acted out like it's a play almost. And they'll zoom in a little bit if everybody gets close together. But they don't sit there and flash this person, flash this person, flash this person, flash this person. You know, because yeah. it's built for, it's what's made our attention span so weak too at the same time. Oh, yeah. That shot over here, shot over here, shot over here, shot over here. I'm like, okay, okay, I see everything. Just show me a freaking wide shot of it I, I want to just watch what's going on here mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and it, it did get closer and closer and just like you know it got further and further away from the original vibe i think it was supposed to go for at some point and you're like okay let's bring it back a little bit you know mm-hmm. yeah so i don't know yeah so that's like one of my big nitpicky things about this um outside of that i, I do like stuff that's going on at the party i kind of talked about that uh, funny joke with Chad that he doesn't want to go and have sex with his girlfriend because he's scared that he'll die because that's the rules in horror movies. 
Um, <laughs> I, I love Mindy trying to like teach everybody about you know the rules, like don't go get beer by yourself. And this very creepy moment that we get with her and Amber in the garage by themselves, because Amber turns on the creepiness to like eleven in this. I, I loved that. She's like, I just kill you. Yeah, and or something. I don't remember what she said exactly, but I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I'm trying to remember the actor's name. I believe it was like Mikey something. Mikey Madison was the actor that played Amber in this, and she was she's really good at being psycho creepy girl, and she was a psycho person. She played Sadie in Once Upon a Time at Hollywood, who was a crazy psychopath in that. Um, so she, she she was I I just I loved how much she turned that on and her reveal as Ghostface was I, I, I kind of liked it. It was very sudden where she whips out the gun and shoots Liv right in the head in the living room in front of everyone. Oh, yeah. That was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, that was just like, bam. Like, you know, that was mic drop. I am Ghostface, motherfuckers. Um, that, that was good. Yeah, and that was before we got Richie's reveal. But mm-hmm. And then right when that happened, she just went into instant, like, cuckoo eyes. Like, <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh, this she's okay. And. But she, when she does that, she kind of becomes like stupid to me. Kind of like I've been smart this whole time, but now that I'm allowed to go crazy, I'm not very smart anymore. You know, make some stupid choices and things that she does and says mm-hmm. and is paying attention to. You're like, you went full on crazy. You know, that's you know that's not good because <laughs> that means you're going to get 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 caught mm-hmm. or get got. What you want to call it. get got? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, and while we're talking about her, I did love the meta joke they had for her death in this. Have you seen Once Upon Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I have not. So the character that she plays in it, her name is Sadie. And the way Sadie dies in that movie is almost exactly the same how she dies in, in, in this movie. She is lit on fire and shot and she is lit on fire and shot in, in this movie. And it is, it's, I just thought that was great that I was laughing in the scene. I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe that they did it the same way that like when she ran up, I got some like Jason Voorhees vibes when she <laughs> appeared like, ah! Like oh, put the bag over her head. Um, yeah, but yeah, I I thought that was great, and I liked how I liked the how she went up in flames though. I thought that was so much fun. Like, mm-hmm. How's you know how do you like that torch now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, all that was great. Um, and then we get Sydney uh, finally comes to the party and everything because she tracks them. And I've kind of already said it, but I love how smart she is in this. It's so. Great. I just love her going from closet to closet, not even opening the shooting. She accidentally shoots Richie, which she probably should have just finished the job. And one of the biggest laughs I got was right after she she opens up the closet and Richie's just like, oh, my God, like I was just hiding. She goes, well, I, I gave you a warning. And then Ghostface pops out. He goes, oh, my God, it's Ghostface. And like, I, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God, it's Ghostface. <laughs> that was so funny. I, it was that moment. I went, God, I fucking love Richie. <laughs> Even though he was he he was doing it like extra oomph because he was obviously the other ghost face, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I just <laughs> I know what you're saying like oh my god, it's ghost face. <laughs> yeah, that was that was such a funny joke. I was I was I was la- I was laughing pretty hard in, in my seat. <laughs> yeah, I like this um the part where um Chad is outside trying to track Liv. And that's basically the only kind of chase scene we got. It really wasn't that far. It was like up to the house and back kind of thing. Um, and it, it was pretty good. It, you know, the whole, you know, he had to throw his phone because there it was, his phone was being tracked. And so Ghostface had already stabbed him once and he had to hide around the back. And yeah, oof, that one kind of, 
it hurt because you're like, oh, he's like the tough guy, you know, when he's trying to, he can't get away. <laughs> yeah. Like, and you also like, I was kind of like, oh no, Mindy, like, like I was feeling bad for like, what, how is Mindy going to react when she finds out that her twin brother was murdered? But it turns out he wasn't murdered. Yeah. Thankfully. And neither one actually, because mm-hmm. the whole thing with Mindy, that was probably the best scene. But at the same time, I have a question about it. Um, so Mindy's sitting there watching the Randy character in the Stab 1 movie. And it's the whole play-by-play of basically what happened in Scream with Randy and Ghostface sneaking up on him. And he's watching Halloween saying, Jamie Lee, behind you, behind you. And then Ghostface is sneaking up on him, but Ghostface gets distracted and doesn't stab him. Mm-hmm. And this... I'm like, but I started, there's a couple of questions I have for them. I'm like, how do they know what happened in that scene if they weren't there? And he didn't even know somebody was sneaking up on him. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> That's where I went, what? So, you know, in the first scream, though, uh, Gail was recording what was going on in that room. So I wonder if they just found those tapes. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense then. Oh, okay. All right. Hole poked. Um, <laughs> I love how she she doesn't do what her uncle did. She she even has like a little moment. She goes, wait, I should probably turn around. And then, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she, and you're like, oh, get out of there. And then she screams. You're like, oh, no, she's probably dead. But we didn't see it happen on camera. So, you know. Yeah. It might not happen. If you don't see it on camera, you don't you don't know for sure. Yeah. No, I think that she made it out of this. Yeah, for, she did. They both did. Yeah. I was like, yay, the mixed twins. Woo-hoo. Mm-hmm. Wonder powers activate. <laughs> um do you notice like most of the main characters made it out? Yeah, the only ones who didn't were Liv Wes. and Amber and Richie and Wes. Oh, that's right, Wes. That's right. What? And his mom. That happened with. Oh my God! Right in the middle of the the walk up to her house, in broad daylight where anybody could see, and nothing. You know, just stabs her to death, man. Oh my God. Yeah, it was. Um, it was pretty the, brutal. It was. This was a pretty, you know, emotional part of the movie. I felt like um, Wes's death is my favorite. Um, not because I wanted him to die, but just because this was, you know, just the knife through the neck and we see it and everything. This was very brutal and, you know, it was earning a lot of blood and guts points for me. Uh- <laughs> yeah. And the, the lead up to it, though, is the part that I was talking about, the fake outs of like, right. OK, I'm going to open this cabinet door and nothing's behind there. And I'm going to open up this refrigerator door and nothing's behind there. You know, like, oh, something's about to pop out. Somebody's about to pop out at him. And it was just it was really kind of slow cat and mouse type thing that was going on. You didn't know right. what was going to happen. Um, but that's, you know, yeah, him fighting back. And you, a couple of times people were fighting back and seemed to be winning. So, so you want to get to the the motives of of the killers for this? Okay. Yes. Okay. Because okay, so, I know that this is a big point of discussion for for a lot of people for this movie. Yeah. I okay. I understand the motive for the most part. I mean, basically, Amber's nuts, and she met him randomly, and they became boyfriend girlfriend because they both liked the stab movies. Mm-hmm. They met on the stab subreddit, which I felt like was a good nod to Scream Two. Met on the psychosites, <laughs> but yeah, it was that's true. Um, but you know, I, I kind of was like, all right, she's nuts, and she was like, and then my parents bought this house, and I was like, oh, and that was just all perfectly coincidental, um, <laughs> <laughs> and I had to have you know, um, and he's like, we wanted to do a mega fan thing because they never think about the fans. I'm like, this, 
this is the time when somebody actually really probably thought it was a movie. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, we're in a movie. And so I'm going to make this for the fans. And oh. you're like, okay. I don't know. I just felt like it was just a little too whacked out psychotic. See, I don't know why. It felt like a 2.0 of Scream 4 and her whole reason, like, of being famous, yeah. you know, in the, for being the victim. And they would probably p- pull the same crap. Kind of, I like. I feel like that there, there's kind of an argument that like it's similar to Scream Four, but um, I, I actually now that I've thought about it a lot, I really like the motive. I I think where some people are getting lost or why why like you know it's not as loved is that I feel like the execution of it, like the execution of them explaining it, was kind of poor. It just kind of pours out really quick, and then you're like, okay. Yeah, like, like <laughs> this should have been, like, a moment, like, we got to, like, take a breath and, like, really, like, soak this in. Kind of like in the first movie, you know, let this be a really, like, let them have their evil villain moment of, like, really, like, you know, gi- giving their manifesto for this. Um, so I didn't, so I, I took it as, like, you know, they were doing this to inspire, like, a new stab movie, not, like, the like, yes, like they're they're making their own, but like they're thinking that this will inspire like a new stab movie that will be back to basics to like what what they were wanting because they talked about how much that they didn't like stab eight and how it was right changed and you know it really pissed off the fans and like fans were so toxic about it but he's kind of saying like how can fans be toxic it's about love and it should be it should go back to this and everything and so I I really like the 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 conversation piece that it's bringing to to it to the table but i felt like it could have been like like we and i just said like it could have they could have taken a moment to really you know massage this out a little bit more yeah definitely they could have done that because i mean i got what you're saying and it just felt so rushed and it it felt like in this really weird way um like they were trying to show it rushed because this, they weren't really kill. You know, they became killers because of the movies, so they wanted to rush to the finale, in a mm. way, and that's where their mistake was. They rushed it, that mm. kind of thing. I don't know. Maybe that had something. It, does that make sense? Yeah. Like no, it was no. kind of commentary on itself, saying, "Yeah, you rushed it." You know. I, I like that actually. I like that it's like commentary on itself, and it's less passionate than because it's. It's almost kind of like saying like these aren't real motives, you know, because it's just like that's why they're not good killers. That's why they're not. Um, th- th- this doesn't make a whole lot of sense because it's not like who they're hoping to be like, like Billy and Stu, who were at least Billy was his his motive was very much something personal and came from you know passion and everything because he was pissed about his family being broken up, and this is about them being mad about a movie franchise not being what it should be. That's a pretty weak thing. There's, and I don't know. I, I, f- I feel they like no stake in it really. You yeah. Know, it's just their feelings of something. Yeah, exactly. So I think, I think that, I, th- I think that's a good point you make, but like, it's that kind of like leads into it being kind of like a comment on itself. Exactly. I think, yeah. And I, I, I mean, I like it, but at the same time, I think it made it to where you're, you're kind of annoyed by these killers you're annoyed with them already you're just like oh my god just shut up and kill them already just get them off my screen that's what i felt <laughs> and i was like or especially amber i'm like kill her already but i mean i wanted to see if you know if um i almost said jack but you know jack quaid um if uh, richie was going to be i don't know 
something else or something else was going to happen. And I mean, the, the best part was, you know, she finally got her final girl line, you know, because Sydney always got those last zingers in. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, don't fuck with a serial killer's daughter kind of thing. And yeah, just goes to town on him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it, that was really rad. I love just all, all the multiple stabs that she got to do to Richie. This was so good and brutal. And, and then it was, slit his throat. Oh, it was so rad. I, I love that we got to have, let her have that moment. That was so cool. Um, and th- I can't remember if she has another Billy hallucination after this, but I know that at some point he like kind of like gives her like an approval wink, I think. <laughs> <laughs> he does. I think it might be after that. Like, that that's my baby girl. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're going to be all right, girl. <laughs> you're going to do just fine. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I kind of liked all of this. Um, and I felt like that this movie did and pretty well, you know, we got to see all of her characters. We got to have kind of like a similar crane shot to the the house at the end with the reporter just like Gail in a in a very bold color yellow suit mm-hmm. um so I kind of liked all so I kind of liked this like I said I felt like it was just like the execution of them explaining their motives and like if, if it just felt like this could have used uh, like there's a little bit more massage massaging really well um I think I'm all out of notes is there anything else about this movie you wanted to point out Dustin uh, not too much. I thought that it was. I, I I've said this before. I've, I thought that it was just okay. It was it was good, but it wasn't something that I would be like woohoo over and over <laughs> to see it again. Um, I would still rank it above uh, Scream Three, simply because mm-hmm. of the way the story was told and whatnot. But it's still I it's still one, two, four, five, then three for me. So, uh, see, I don't I don't know where I put this in my rankings yet because. Original before this movie, it was one, four, two, three, and now I don't know if this is above four or below four. I'm I'm having a hard time with that. Um, but I still loved this movie. I loved all of the meta jokes. So many of them. The dead meat cameo was fantastic. The the the, the like I said, there's so many meta jokes in this. I just like was just laughing the whole time, um, and I loved the the its own voice in the conversation of how the horror genre is today. I really like that. And that played into the motives of the characters, which I found extremely fascinating. I just wish it was executed a little bit better on them explaining it and having that moment. Sink yeah. In for, more. The, for the hints to be dropped a little better, just a little bit better. It felt like it was just a little too deep when you're thinking about the hints, but maybe that's why, because oh. you know, sometimes fan people get, really deep in their perception of things and it's probably more simple than they think you well, know i think that like the, i think that the hints are there because you know the opening scene ghostface is talking about how babadook and all that is pretentious and like not scary and like they prefer the stab movies and then we have the whole conversation with the minks about how even the minks you know they like elevator horror. They talk about, you know, Jordan Peele's great. Get, Get out's really good, but it's not stab. Stab is something so unique and filmmakers shouldn't be trying to make stab eight turn into elevated horror it needs to be what it is because that's what the fans like and then that kind of still plays into the the actual killer's motives and that you know they're doing this for the fans because they're hoping that it would reboot the the franchise and now they would make a movie based off these true events that are closer to the original story. And so it's like a snake eating itself at that point, kind of, but um, I actually really dug it. I thought that was kind of cool. But um, like I said, I just wish that they 
let that breathe a little bit more and let the, let that be a bigger moment to really sink in because they kind of just fly through it. <laughs> yeah, they do. They really do. They rushed, like I said, they rushed it. Yeah. They get too eager. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Dustin, for coming on to sit down with me and discuss Scream 5 or Scream from 2022. <laughs> I really appreciate hearing your thoughts and opinions on this. I know that you're a big Scream fan, so I love getting to chat with you about things like this. Uh, where can people find you and your show? You can find me and my podcast as uh, Dustin Can Read and Watch, basically where any podcasts are played. Get new episodes coming out on January 20th, so be sure to check that out. And you can also reach me on Twitter at Dustin underscore Holden or find me on Instagram at Dustin Can Read. So, uh, you know, come chat with me. You know, let's talk about TV shows and YA books. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Dustin. Links will be in the show notes. And people, please be sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Brucker Horror. Let me know what you thought of this new Scream movie. And be sure to share me with friends and give both of us five-star ratings on iTunes and Spotify. I will see you guys next time with another episode. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.